is this is a football podcast, man. Meat, football, good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to Scramble Drill. This is uh, Ben and I's therapy session, uh, sitting on a couch, fingers crossed that we're that we're mentally okay. Fantasy football podcast. I hadn't been mentally okay in a while. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't need a podcast to tell me I'm mentally okay. Man, that intro was rusty. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I I started talking and I didn't know where I was going, and then it we just been, ended up where we ended up. It has been over a week since we recorded. It has been. That's saying it, something. It's like when you go to the gym. I can't relate to this, but it's like when you go to the gym and you you do fill in the blank exercise and and you start doing it and you realize, holy crap, I have not done this in a very long time, and your muscles just start spazzing out. You can't walk, and you look like a baby deer. That's what just happened. That's embarrassing, because I feel like after... How many episodes have we done? Over 100 episodes? We're like a week off, you should be okay. You should be. You should but, be. But uh, when this it comes is to really the intro... This is really on It you. really is. Here's what needs to happen. I need to have a rehearsed intro that I do every single time, that I know what it is, so I don't have to think about it. But I still have not hit the sweet spot this is, with Scramble Drill. This is the difference between you and Andy Holloway. You're right. He just is, voice cracks every difference. time, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> oh, welcome back. <laughs> I, I should start doing it. It's so funny. Yeah. Whenever I listen to that, uh, to the ballers in the car with Haley, <laughs> every time he does his his intro, she's she's <laughs> she just starts laughing. <laughs> She's like, it's so stupid that he does that. And I'm like, I know, but it's his thing. So it's not a knock against the ballers. They're, obviously, I like their podcast. No, it's great. Their podcast is fantastic. She just finds it really funny that he screams into the microphone to start every episode. And honestly, the, the maybe, maybe many episodes did. I've listened... We're too boring here. We need more shouting. I guess, I guess I need to just scream... A little bit more when we do this thing. You look like you smoked the blunt at the beginning of like, ev- right before we record every time. Just. Dude, I have been looking oh, like I smoke a blunt every single day of my life. Say that again? I did not hear you. The curse of my existence and my face is that I look like I smoke a blunt every day of my life. Maybe the universe is trying to tell you something. <laughs> uh, this is a fantasy football show. And as such, we're going to talk about some rookies on this episode. There's a potential rookie. there's a quite a bit, not in the league. Yet. Pot- potential rookies, yeah. <laughs> Unless something catastrophic happens between now and week one. Jeez, nuclear ben. war could begin at any moment. Gosh. Well, assuming nuclear war doesn't happen, these players will. You can everybody be can calm down because if it happens, I will be the one to have started it. There you go. Yeah. We're going to we're going to do a general look through at some of the top guys. Cuz let's let's be honest about these top prospects. We sort of all know who they are and how good they are. If you have been in any football circle, be it college, NFL, fantasy, anything like that, you know who Marvin Harrison Jr. is. 
You you know who Caleb Williams is. You've heard the name at least. Yeah, so you don't necessarily need a a whole college course on these players. So we're just going to do a, a general overlook at some of these guys, but then also bring up some of our favorite players, players that might be overlooked or maybe that we've just taken an interest in as we've started to dig into these prospects and figure out who we're going to take in rookie drafts, and hopefully it'll help you figure out who you're going to take in rookie drafts. I'm so, excited. This is this is the nerd season of Dynasty, guys. Like It's spreadsheet so many, season. So many game. leagues are just dead, and then you've got, at least, at least hopefully, you've got those one or two guys like us who are just still sitting there. We're brewing up trades. We're watching like highlights of all these guys. Like We're when we're not thinking about work, we're thinking about this. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is where we're and at. And two, we're gonna, we're gonna, I guess, exercise. I've been working on a model, a prospect model. So I'm one of those guys now. And uh, I've got the running backs in, and we'll we'll just Too much try it on guy, and Josh. see how it fits. Too much of a number. No, there's, there's the eye test, but then there's also the the advanced stats and all that stuff. I don't know. We'll I still, try I still haven't how it fits. forgiven that guy in our DMs who who said he didn't like me because I went too much off my gut. I was too much <laughs> of a feeling guy. Listen here, sir. My fight, my feelings. I've been watching football a long time, all right? My feelings usually right. I mean, but I digress. We we probably, for the most part, end up at the same place, and we just take com- two completely different journeys to get there. I don't discount numbers. I really don't. And I've tried being numbers guys before. And I've also been burned by numbers, too. I.e., yeah. Puka Nakua. Guys like that. Just the out- now, I'm not saying every guy's a Puka Nakua. And most of the time, you are not going to find the outlier. You're not going to. But there are those things, and numbers can burn you sometimes. Yeah, there's always going to be some guys that the advanced stats favor. And in fact, in uh, I'm sort of fine-tuning a little bit, trying to figure out, like, okay, I want this specifically to these running backs that I've been profiling. I want the eye test to match the numbers. Like, I want the numbers to reflect how good they look on the field. So and maybe enhance it, it a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't. And there's always going to be guys that just have a, a bit of an outlier season, and they pop off the stat sheet a little bit. So you got to, I don't know, dodge those landmines a little bit. But at the same time, it does help to see maybe some of these guys that we overlooked on film, yeah. and the advanced stats are very, very good. There's a give and take. you gotta, you got to, I guess, um, marry the two and figure out how you're going to weight them together. But I digress. Um the top guys. How do you want to go through here? Do you want to just uh, start off with some Caleb Williams? Well, I will say, first of all, we didn't talk thoughts. about the Super Bowl at all. Oh, yeah. We have not right. brought that up on the channel. We have not. Um, yeah, the Chiefs get the third. Patrick Mahomes is well on his way to uh, the GOATS conversation. Halfway there. It's crazy to think that he's won three Super Bowls in six years, and he still is less than half of Brady's Super Bowl total. But you got to think too. 
I don't think Brady won one for like 10 years after he got his yep. third one. So, not saying Mahomes won't, because at this moment in time, I, I, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, if there was a year to beat the Chiefs, it was this year. Their offense was bleh. Like, Mahomes wasn't himself wasn't bad. But everything around him was bad. And it's once the playoffs started, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. It was inevitable. So, I mean, they've got to lose at some point. Like, this, this can't just keep happening, but win. Dude, I don't know. Playoff I mean, manifesto moving forward. You just don't bet against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs until you're proved wrong. I'm a little bit of a Joe Burrow fanboy. Not as much as, obviously, Josh Allen and them, but, like, literally, Burrow's the only one I've seen who can go toe-to-toe with him in the playoffs and beat him. He has done it once, and he almost did it a second time. Everybody else hadn't come close. Yeah. He's lost to Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. <laughs> It's incredible. It's it's just bonkers. Like to try and put what he's done in six years into context, it is ridiculous. It's it's really hard to not just look at Mahomes and say, well, his only comp historically is Brady. Like six years into the league, his only comparison is the GOAT, the current sitting greatest player of all time. Six years in, that's the only guy you can compare him to. Like that There's is no one on his level. Nuts. That's right it's wild. There Absolutely are guys wild. who could get there, but Mahomes has to start losing for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, if your boy Josh Allen is going to get himself into the conversation, Mahomes has to disappear for like another half decade. Or Josh Allen's just got to win three straight. <laughs> like if Josh Allen goes out there. <laughs> And wins three consecutive Super Bowls, they're like, all right, this uh, hold up. We just need Josh Allen to start winning that. something. We need him to start winning something so people can stop slandering him because I'm so sick and tired of defending him. And then people bring up the, yeah, well, he hasn't won anything argument because there's, I mean, there's no rebuttal of, to he hasn't won anything because he hasn't, but still. Peyton Manning is one of the greatest of all time, and Tom Brady dominated him. And nobody's going to sit here and say Peyton was bad. Peyton was very bad in the playoffs. Peyton, that is is true. And Josh Allen, that's another thing. Peyton was, like, horrible in the playoffs, and nobody knocks him for it. Josh Allen is outstanding in the playoffs. Like, outside of Mahomes, nobody has a better touchdown-interception ratio than he does. Nobody scores more points than he does. Josh Allen shows up every time. He just runs into Patrick Mahomes every time. Which I guess if Josh Allen was in the need, NFC, he'd have like two Super Bowls right now. Oh my God! Yeah, you got to give him a pass a little bit because he's running up against our generation's Tom Brady. Yeah, that's not his fault. I mean, everybody was crowning Brock Purdy, and it's it's the same result. He ran into Mahomes and lost. To be fair, the Chiefs' defense was excellent. Excellent. Without that defense, they do not win the championship this year. That's true. Yeah. And the defense is probably going to shed a piece or two. I think... Um, Can they keep Chris Jones? What is it? Is a question. 
Yeah, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to pay Chris Jones, and if they do, they're probably gonna lose one of their corners. I think they would lose. I think it's Lejarius Sneed, or what's the other one? They've got three really good ones. They've got Need, McDuffie on his uh, rookie contract, but there's two other ones that are very good, and I cannot remember the third one's name. I can't either, and I'll be Doesn't honest, matter. I think Chris Jones is the only one that matters because Spagnola is such a wizard with the secondary and his blitzes and his like hiding coverages that I think they can afford to lose the corner, whereas Chris Jones yeah. being a nightmare in the trenches, that makes a bigger difference than in the corner for Steve Spagnuolo, I think. I would agree. Yeah. So, yeah. 49ers, great season. Ran up against Mahomes and lost because he 49ers is... 49ers did everything amazing. they needed to do to win that game. There were two, two decisions that lost them that game. I think that the fourth down, right at the very end of the game, when they kicked the field goal to take the lead, I think that was mm. that was mistake number one. You can't let Mahomes touch the ball last. They should have gone for it and decided the game right there. Because if they got the first down, obviously they could run out the clock, kick a field goal, and win. If they didn't get the first down, well, you, Mahomes was probably going to beat you anyway. So there's that. And then <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were thinking in overtime taking the ball first. That made no sense. Yeah, same and then they thing. came out and said they didn't know the, the overtime last. rules. Yeah. How do you not over know the overtime rules? They literally changed it because of Josh Allen. Josh Allen and Mahomes played I, such an incredible game. They're like, they, both of these guys need the ball in overtime. It's not fair. My my takeaway from that was like, the fullback doesn't need to know the overtime rules. Kyle Juszczyk not knowing the overtime rules affects nothing because he's not calling plays and understanding but situations. Fred Warner That's out there Shanahan's needs to know. Thing. Yeah, Fred Warner's probably know. But yeah. Shanahan, Shanahan from the get-go told him, like it was prearranged. If it went to overtime, they wanted the ball. And it wasn't like it was a lack of understanding. Um, I mean, it was a lack of understanding, but it wasn't, it wasn't like they didn't think about it or didn't know. Shanahan wanted the ball because he wanted to go score. Um, I guess, I, I don't know. It was just a, a mistake, but I, but Shanahan did know what he wanted to do and it was just the wrong yeah. decision. I, I mean, you, we were watching the game together. You heard me a thousand times say that the 49ers need to score one more time. The chiefs cannot be playing this bad and only be down by seven points. It can't yep. happen. They're eventually going to break through and they did. And then... I mean, obviously, I, I kept saying, too, you, Mahomes can't have the ball last. What are, You can't let him touch the ball last. The game needs to end, yep. no matter what, with you having the ball. He cannot be the one to decide it. And he got the ball, and you saw what happened. Every time. Whew. Yeah. So, rookies. Rookies. Another. How block. do we want to... A whole new class of players to lose to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Maybe can Amen. we get one or two of them in the NFC, please? Well, odds are the top couple guys at quarterback are going to NFC teams. Thank God. So uh, I think 
I think if we were betting men, and they're going to bad NFC teams. <laughs> they are, <laughs> but uh, it looks like the Bears and the Commanders are about to get themselves franchise quarterbacks at one and two. In yep. I would assume Caleb Williams and Drake May, unless some curveball gets thrown our way. Jaden Daniels gets a lot of hype, and I honestly like Jaden Daniels. But if we're talking from a real life perspective. And obviously it's hard for us to evaluate quarterbacks, but Drake May is built like a franchise quarterback. The big arm, the big frame, he's mobile. I, I just, yeah, he's that's, that's what looks like a franchise quarterback. I think I've developed a little bit of a hot take on Drake May. Oh boy. He's your quarterback five. No, 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 no. I've watched... Two career Drake May games prior to um, this whole prospect season. So coming into this, I had the two NC State games as my experiences watching Drake May play football. And NC State's defense two years in a row made him uncomfortable. He made a lot of mistakes. His footwork was sloppy. He threw picks. He didn't play great in either game. And so my experience of Drake May was, I don't know. He's talented, he shows flashes, but I really want to see more of it more consistently before I'm really in on him. I've gone and watched some of his other games and some of the throws he's made against other teams. Dude, I'm not so sure he's not a better prospect than Caleb Williams is. If anything, they're equals. I don't know. I mean, I to be fair, I have not watched a ton of Drake May. He's on my list to get to, but I have not watched a ton. And from what I, everything I have seen, which is why I say like, it's so hard for us to evaluate quarterbacks. Like I, and I tend to kind of just blindly trust NFL scouts because they know so much more of that process than we do. But I have not been impressed with what he has. Like, that's why I say physically he, he is an, he's an NFL quarterback. He's big, he's mobile got a cannon arm and if scouts love him awesome but he's not like he just doesn't wow me on tape like he i don't i just and maybe i haven't watched enough but i i've seen him against some teams like you were talking about nc state where he was kind of okay i saw him against south carolina to where he he didn't really have to he didn't play amazing like he was just kind of throwing the not pressured throwing the wide open receivers and when he does get pressured he, he gets a little flustered. Yeah. Everybody brings up the NC State game. So, like, if you're going to find a Drake May hater on your Twitter timeline, chances are they're bringing up clips from the State game. Because he, he just wasn't comfortable, and the things that he needs to work on were highlighted in that game. Things he needs to work on are his footwork is pretty terrible, and he he's overall fairly polished, but he still has rough edges that need to be refined. And so when you get into a defense that makes you really uncomfortable, which State's defense did two years in a row, those things become very apparent. And he starts, he's inaccurate on outbreaking routes. He, uh, he gets baited into some things. He's missing shorter throws. He's throwing some dirt balls. And it's just a footwork thing. Like it's a yeah, relatively simple fix. Absolutely. It's things that can be ironed out. This is a... Uh... I mean, some people won't like this, but like, look at Josh Allen. Big, big. He's arm, a more polished but, version but, of Josh Allen. 
Josh Allen was rough, and it took Josh Allen two years to get going. But once he did, the rest is history. Yeah. Drake May will not need two years. If like if that ceiling is is what he's going to get to, he will get there quicker than Josh Allen did. Not saying he will get there, but if he does get there, it will happen a lot faster than it did for Josh Allen. Probably. Anyway, that's my Drake May whole uh, whole diatribe there. However, have you seen Caleb Williams play? Dude, he's incredible. You, you've seen some of the throws, and I, I'll be honest, I'm I'm one of those who's not that sold on Caleb Williams. Like, I I don't know if it's a personality thing, if it's I haven't really seen him against amazing defenses. Like he's, and he, he's always having to win the game versus like, I, I don't know. He's, but I mean, my gosh, dude, the raw talent of Caleb Williams is off the charts. He plays like He Mahomes. needs to go somewhere. He's not Mahomes. He, needs, but he plays like him. Yeah, he does. He needs to go somewhere where he can be a little bit reined in like where he can have structure put around him. Because I feel like a lot of the negatives with him come from not necessarily a lack of structure, but from a coaching staff that allowed him to play outside of structure. And he needs to go to a place where they force him to play in inside of the structure of the offense more frequently. Yeah, I mean, Southern Cal, which is great because we saw what he can do when things break down. But every play, like he's rolling out, trying to find somebody versus like you need to sit in the pocket, dude, and and read a defense. Right. And sometimes it's a lot better to take the three-yard check down than it is to attempt a 30-yard bomb. In the NFL, those will get picked off. 100%. If they let him do his USC thing where he's doing his scramble drill, he's going to throw 25 interceptions. Like – his arm talent is not just going to beat. It's all well and good. Like NFL. you can make those plays, and very few people in the world can make those plays. Very few starting NFL quarterbacks can make those plays. Absolutely. But you can't do that at every play in the NFL. No. Just, it's you not can do work. that. You can do that four or five times a game. You can't do it ten to fifteen times a game. And Mahomes did that a lot, like early on in his career. But defense is adjusted. He had to grow. And, you know, he's more of a – he's not a game manager, but kind of game manager this year. He wasn't slinging yeah, it I mean, deep every play. He, he did not throw the ball deep. In fact, and this is a stupid, stupid stat that's been circulating Twitter, but he had the lowest um, – the lowest average depth of target, I think. I think it was dot on touchdowns this year in the I NFL. I believe it. Travis Kelsey ain't taking 150 yards, like – MVS no, was about to they had, pass. This Kadarius Tony's trash. Like they had no deep threats. It's the dumbest stat ever because it's like people are using it to say, "Oh, this is a knock on Mahomes," but he's still clearly better than everybody else. It's just that he didn't throw deep touchdowns. Like, who was what am I supposed to do with that? Andy Reid would retire because Mahomes was regressing this year. Oh God, who in their right mind who? said that? You remember that though? Somebody somebody said that on like a big name show. That is it wasn't, the dumbest thing I've ever. I want to say it wasn't uh it wasn't Cowherd, but it was somebody on Cowherd's show, I think, who said that. Dear Lord. It's like Andy Reid's gonna retire because of Mahomes regressing. What do you mean 
regressing. Oh my god. But we're talking about Caleb Williams, but we got on See that that is and that's what people are so excited about cuz when you you talk about Caleb Williams, people just start talking about Mahomes and the the comparison between those two, which I guess is that's the reason this dude's going to go number 1 is cuz he can do things that only a few like Mahomes can do. Right. Yeah, he's he flashes so, those those things that make you go, "Oh, wow." He, he what might need can a, we do here? He might need enough polish as much polishing as Drake May or other guys in this quarterback class. Like he needs more than I think people realize, but his ceiling is so much higher than everyone else's. Yeah, I think the misnomer with Caleb Williams and I just want to highlight this. His his warts, the things that he does are are not from like lack of ability. I don't think he has anything in his profile where it's like with Drake May, the thing is poor footwork. But Caleb Williams has fine footwork. Um, he can make every single throw. The thing with him is just tendencies. It's like it's a mental thing. Like he just needs to go to a place where they they refine those mental tendencies on the field and make them productive instead of is, unproductive. Is Chicago the place to do that? Great question. I mean, that's where he's going. I don't going. know. I don't know. At this point, I'm going to be stunned if he doesn't end up in Chicago. Justin Fields is gone. I would be very stunned as well. Yeah. So, um, any thoughts on Jaden Daniels? I like Jaden Daniels. I like him a, a fair amount. He's, he's who I want Atlanta to trade up and get with both uh, the Patriots. That'd be awesome. But, uh... No, Jaden strikes me, he's got a lot of Anthony Richardson in him. He's smaller than Anthony Richardson, but I think he's quicker than Anthony is, and he's a, he's a better passer coming out of college than Anthony Richardson is. So, he's, whereas I think Caleb and, and Drake, wherever they go, like if, if they got a coach willing to work with them, I mean, yeah, same for Jaden too, but like they... They can fit in the system, whereas I think Jaden Daniels is a little bit more system dependent, and they're going to need to build the offense around him versus just plugging him in the offense kind of thing. Yeah. The The issue with the Anthony Richardson comparison, because everything you say is true, the issue is it looks like today Jaden Daniels is going to the Patriots, and they're, he's going to inherit... Oh, that'll suck. I couldn't even tell you who the offensive coordinator is for the Patriots right now. So he's going to inherit whoever that is. No, no, that's right. Belichick's gone. Uh, yeah, I have no I idea know. who the OC is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And Anthony Richardson got Shane Steichen. So, no, that's fair. I'm just talking like prospect-wise. Right. Prospect-wise, the ceiling is incredibly high with him. I'm just worried, especially with him, he's very landing spot dependent. Like if he goes, let's say in a hypothetical, even if Atlanta traded up for him, I'd be excited. If Denver traded up for him, oh, I'd be God. excited. Uh, okay, never mind, never mind. I'm thinking of something else. Go ahead. <laughs> I was about to say, he gets paired with Sean Payton and you're not excited? No, never mind. Jeez. I'm, I'm thinking of something else. Um, but if he goes to the Patriots, I would have some 
concerns about his upside. At the same time, for fantasy football, the rushing upside with him is so good. There's going to be arguments for him at the 101, just like there was for Richardson last year. And In hindsight, Richardson not, should have probably should have been the 101. Bijan is great, but Anthony Richardson in Superflex leagues, Anthony Richardson should have been the 101. Yeah. People are going to argue for Daniels. So, and that's fine. He's a great I would runner. have Daniels over quick. Drake May. For fantasy purposes, I, think I would for, have Daniels over Drake, over Drake May. Yeah, I think for fantasy purposes, yes. I would not want to make that decision if he goes to the Patriots, but yeah. That's probably the correct move with the rushing upside. Yeah. Um, let's pivot real quick to these receivers. Let's do this. Let's go Har- Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, and then also we've talked about, about Brock Bowers a little bit, but just like really high level off the top. How do you feel? <laughs> we know you like him, but how do you feel about Harrison, Neighbors, and, and Bowers? I, I think he's overrated. All of them. Wow. All of them. All of them. <laughs> They're not bums. True. Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> is is unbelievable. Now, I will say, if Marvin Harrison Jr. goes to the Patriots and they take like him over Dan- Dan- Jaden Daniels, I'm going to come off him a little bit because Mac Jones throwing to him versus Kyler Murray, that's a, that's a big drop-off. That's not fair. That would be a lot. That would and, be a uh, lot. And Malik Neighbors is a little bit he he can kind of kind of goes up and down too because you're sitting there looking at the draft and there's a beautiful like everybody everybody wants it is to him to go to the Chargers. And I'll be honest with you, if he goes to the Chargers and like say Marvin goes to the Patriots and like the Cardinals decide just to take like a tackle or something like that there might be there's a I feel like Marvin's the right choice just because of how good of a prospect he is but I don't want to have to make that decision I'm going to be honest with you if I'm staring down Marvin Harrison with the Patriots or Malik Neighbors with the Chargers I'm sweating bullets yeah that would be tough but as prospects Marvin Harrison Jr. Jamar Chase is the only only other one that comes close I think as prospects. As prospects. Before everybody freaks out. Yeah. As prospects. <laughs> and a lot of people want to crown want to crown Marvin Harrison Jr. and I get it. But like we know what Jamar Chase is. Like we know what CeeDee Lamb are. We know what Justin Jefferson is, and they are the best of the best. Like you can't I've seen people want like, should I trade, you know, uh Amon Ross St. Brown in the second for like the one oh four or one oh two to get Marvin Harrison. I'm like, what are you doing? Like you have the you have the guy that people are chasing. Like, if Marvin Harrison Jr. becomes Amon Ross St. Brown, like that's that's one of the best case scenarios. Like, that's awesome. You got exactly what you wanted. Yeah. You got a top five receiver. And I'm not saying that he can't be better than that, but like that's I don't even know how I got on this tangent, I'll be honest with you. But I, I guess it's <laughs> I think I'm trying to breathe it back in. Let me let me let me come full circle is Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of the best prospects in the world or, you know, in the past decade, but people are putting him, and rightfully so, up there with Chase and Jefferson and those guys. Yeah. But it, it's hard for me to say it like I he's not there yet. 
Yeah, I he's mean, he's got to produce at the NFL level. I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying he's being overrated in the fact that he's getting put with that level of player right now. Right. But at the same time, he is not un- overrated as a prospect. No, he's not overrated as a prospect. Those things are true at the same time. I agree. Yeah. He's not overrated as a prospect, but I think we, he, his hype is kind of like Bijan's hype was last year to the point where if you can go get a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase for Marvin Harrison Jr., I think you should do that right now. Yeah, shoot. If you can trade, uh, which you probably can do this, you can trade Marvin Harrison for Amonra St. Brown Plus. I'm doing that. Oh my gosh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm definitely considering doing that, depending on what the plus is. And for some people, it might be a lot. We did our dynasty you rankings, and get... we, we still have Amonra over Marvin Harrison. Right. Yeah. Now, so I I think there's a legit chance that Marvin Harrison can pass him very soon. Yes. If he goes to a good landing spot, but still, like you're you're hoping he turns into that kind of player. Right. Where if you can get right. the guaranteed, like I know what this guy is. Um. Really quickly, Brock Bowers. He's incredible. A freakazoid tight end prospect. He's no. He Kyle broke Pitts. out very very early. He <laughs> okay, all right. He's no not Kyle athletically Pitt. what Kyle Pitts is, but his production profile is the best of any tight end I've well, seen. His production and profile legitimately. Says he's, than Kyle Pitts. he's got the best tight end production profile in the last twenty years. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's okay. uh, athletically, he's 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 very athletic for tight ends. Kyle Pitts is just very athletic. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, He's great. Brock Bowers is fantastic. I'm secretly, fingers crossed, hoping he goes to the Colts and just gets paired with Anthony Richardson. That would just be... That would be epic. It's probably not going to happen, but a guy can hope. Um, I've been saying this, and I don't don't know where you are, but like I'm going to be in on the Colts offense next year, and my gosh, if they got Brock Bowers. Holy crap, dude. Oh my goodness. Shane Steichen is it would be insane. Cooking, boys. <laughs> it would be insane. All righty, let's talk about uh, a few of these lower ranked prospects. Maybe some guys that we like or that we're excited to draft personally, um, but they don't get quite the same shine as a Marvin Harrison, a Malik Neighbors, a Caleb Williams, a Brock Bowers. Uh, lead us off, Ben. Hit us with your first. You're excited so about I've, him, but maybe not everybody's talking about him. I've got one, and it I don't think he's a, he's not a sleeper by any means. Like he's gonna go in the first round of the real life draft, and he's got he's probably gonna go in the first round of your rookie draft as well. But I am climbing very high on Brian Thomas Jr. I think he is awesome. Like I think pe- people aren't talking enough about him really. He's six foot four. He just posted like an awesome season, over a 1,000 yards, and that's with dealing with Malik Neighbors. So it's it gives you just reminiscent vibes of you know Chase and Jefferson back in the day where yep. both of these guys are just freaks. I mean, Malik Neighbors, obviously, I'm not saying he's, he's not better than Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors is, I mean, speaking of, like, he, we talk about Marvin Harrison Jr.'s profile, but, like, Malik Neighbors is also one of the, like just the best prospects in the past ten years. Like he is phenomenal, but 
he had to deal with a dominant alpha wide receiver in Malik Neighbors, and he still has been outstanding. He broke out at a young age. If you want to like talk about numbers, like look at that when he broke out. Like his dominator rating is thirty percent plus. I think he's like. I looked this up yesterday, and I should have written it down. I think he's six in dominator rating in this class, which, I mean, that's that's still pretty good in my opinion, given what is here in the class. He's behind like neighbors, Odunze, um, Marvin Harrison, obviously, and then like a couple of the smaller level guys. So, but I mean, thirty three percent dominator rating. I'm more than okay with that. Um. Yeah, I mean, he's 21 years old. He broke out at 19, which is an early breakout age, so that's awesome. That's exactly what you look for in receivers. I, I just think he's the whole package. He's going to go middle of the first round. I've seen a lot of him mocked to the Bengals, which I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen because I honestly think they bring back T. Higgins at this point. But still, like middle of the first round draft capital for a guy who's six foot four, he's going to run a four, a mid four four forty probably. I mean, he's super fast for a big guy. Um, yeah, I just there's not much I don't like about Brian Thomas Jr.'s profile. He's my wide receiver four after Odunza. Really? Okay. Mm. Yeah, he's my wide receiver four too. I don't know why I just said really. Like that was surprising. <laughs> I say really. I'm like I don't know if there's much of a question there, Josh. But okay. <laughs> what were you about to say? Like Keon Coleman? <laughs> no, I'm right there. Um, <laughs> Okay, the name that I want to go to is Jonathan Brooks, the running back from Texas. ACL guy. Um, ACL guy. So I am so fascinated to see where he ends up getting drafted because that will dictate how in love or in like I am with Jonathan Brooks as a fantasy asset. But he grades out so well in this running back model, proprietary model that I've been working on. And the reason for it is uh, his advanced stats are ridiculous. So if you compared uh, Bijan Robinson's numbers to Jonathan Brooks's numbers, they would look very similar, like eerily similar in terms of their production. He's got a 91. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it does. But uh, he had a 91.9 uh, PFF rush grade. The thing that I've been working on to try and analyze running backs value, the new stat I guess I've found and uh, started to put some stock in is total yards divided by the number of snaps that they played. Essentially, it is pretty straightforward. The higher the number, the more important they are and the more explosive they are to their offense. But Jonathan Brooks was second in total yards divided by snaps played, second in the class. So he had 6.96 yards per down played. He also gave you a very healthy 1.4 yards per route run. He's the second highest graded running back in the model at the moment. So I don't know where he ends up going. That's the thing with the ACL. Obviously, you're very concerned about that, but like the production prior to the injury was incredible. He was like, he was going to be far and away my RB1 before the injury. And then he gets hurt, and you're like, okay, if he goes in the fourth, fifth round in the draft, then you're worried about team investment. And then 
if uh, if he's not great in fall camp, maybe he starts out on the wrong foot, or maybe he's not even ready to go at the beginning of the season, starts out on the pup, you can get passed over if you don't have that team investment. So I am leery of the fact that it's very possible a team might not be all in on Jonathan Brooks as a player just because of the injury, and he might not get the chance to, uh, to wow everybody from the get-go. But just in terms of how good is this dude as a player, he looked awesome. And he, uh, he has everything you want except for the injury for, uh, for fantasy production. He's a good pass catcher, a very efficient rusher. Um, he looks great. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with, with anything you said. It's, it honestly sucks because this running back class is actually fascinating because of how bad it is. Like, there's really <laughs> no one that pops. Like, Jonathan Brooks, yeah. he, he pops. Like, he would be, like, the landslide RB1 in this class. But he tore his ACL. So you're the only good – the guy that you really like has this gigantic question mark on him. And then there's really nothing outside of him. So I'm actually really excited to when we get to our running back episode to talk about him because there's so there's so little to talk about that there's a lot to talk about. You know what I mean? Like it's right. There's so much no, more that's going to go into it this year versus the past years. There's going to be a huge variance from person to person on how they value rookie running backs. Like Trey Benson might be a lot of people's RB one. Uh, Bucky Irving might be people's RB1. Blake Corum is a lot of people's RB1. Spoiler alert, of the 13 available running backs in this year's draft, for me, Blake Corum might be like 6th or 7th. See, I, I, so, I agree with you, but I think there's a chance that Corum's the one. Because like, if he's the first draft taken off the board, like uh, I, there legitimately may not be a running back in the first two or three rounds this year. I mean, that's... That's not. actually possible. But if he's like the first one and like say say the Chargers or somebody take a shot on him because they because they do need a running back and they take him in like the fourth round, like he's gotta be the RB one, right? And I don't like his athletic profile. He's not explosive, he is not fast, he's not a good receiver. There's really not much to like on his profile. But if a good team takes him and he's the first running back taken, like I I guess you gotta have him there. Yeah. No, which is why the one thing I told you so crazy. Yeah, the thing that I told you was like the only scenario where I'd be in on a player like Corum. It's the Kyron Williams scenario where he was not great analytically, but because there was nobody else in the backfield and he got a chance to have everything, he was very, very good. And Corum could be very, very good if he has everything. But if he's in a committee, I don't see him being explosive enough to uh, to do a whole lot for fantasy. There's no starters in this running back class. Yeah, from the get-go, there's probably not any starters. Which, it's, it's a weird year, man, but, I mean, usually at least every year there's one. Like, even in two years ago, when 2020, which, or 2021, like, nobody liked that draft class, but there was still Brees and Kenneth Walker. Like, obviously, last year was the golden the golden boys, I guess, of Gibbs and Bijan, which people have liked for a long time. Um, yeah. You, know, two years, you had the Jonathan Taylor year with – that was actually a loaded running back class. But there's usually one or two, but there is not a one or two this year. There's not. Hit us with another name. Who's another guy you're excited about? Oh, Lord, I only brought Brian Thomas Jr. to the table. So you're going to <laughs> – Okay, I'm uh, curious then. I do I'll have a question. A, I'll pick a guy that I, I 
What? Go ahead. I'm. I came prepared with a question, just because I'm curious how you feel about him. I want to know how you stand on Xavier Leggett because you've watched a lot more of him than I have. The the thing with him is the the physical measurables are freaky. The production profile and analytics are very very scary. How do you feel about him? It is, and I'm a South Carolina fan, so I had to put some of my bias aside here because our team was not that great this year. But he and Spencer Rattler, like you could lock it in every week. They were going to light it up. That being said, he is wildly landing spot dependent. Like if there's a if there's a team in the first round that decides that they like Xavier Leggett, like I could see the Bills potentially being a spot. Obviously the Chiefs like late in the first round. If that happens, I don't have an excuse not to be in on him. But like you said, if like so many people's prospect profiles do not like Xavier Leggett, and I get why. Because he's a late breakout. He's 23 years old as it sits right now. Um, so 23 years old, he was a late breakout. Those numbers alone just like scare a lot of people off, and I get why. And I and I'm not saying I I disagree with him because I'm I'm kind of there. Like if he's a second, mid second, third round receiver. I really have nothing, don't really care. Because those young guys who break out early, they can still improve when they get to the league. Xavier Leggett is coming right. into the league at his ceiling. This is he already has peaked. Whereas Malik yeah. Neighbors, who is twenty, Malik Neighbors is twenty years old. Like there's so much more that they can and so much further they can develop, whereas Xavier Leggett can't. That being said, we've talked about like he's the height, speed, weight. Like freak, he's six foot four. He might run a four three forty. He can jump out of the gym. Like he is a physical freak. So, like I said, if a team takes a shot on him in late first, I like him. But other than that, I I, I don't. Interesting. I was curious if you were going to be in on him, uh, and I, I didn't want to just chalk it up to bias. I just I knew you had watched a significant uh, he, he he is significant good. larger portion of his game film. He is very good. But another South Carolina receiver that has burned people before for the same reasons, uh, Brian Edwards. A lot of people That's were true. in on Brian Edwards, but he was the same thing. Late breakout, has a lot of physical tools, but he just comes in the league at 22 years old, broke out late in college. It's it's easy to dominate, and not easy. Obviously, you or I couldn't do it, but those guys like that. <laughs> It's easy for them to dominate against 18-year-old corners versus at, at when you're at 23 right. years old. And that's why the late breakout, all that kind of stuff, that's worry, that worries people, and rightfully so. Yeah, and it, I looked at his career box scores, and it wasn't just like he was average and then had a great year. He didn't do anything oh, for he didn't four do anything. years. I remember this because like I, th- this year was when I was like, where has he been? Because... His freshman, he coming in, I think he was a pretty high, like, high school prospect. And he just never did anything like that. This dude's big and fast. Like, why does he never get the ball? And he dropped everything, like, his first two years. So after that, he kind of just vanished. And I legitimately forgot he was on the roster until, I think, 2022. He made a couple plays here and there where, like, you know, some guys got injured. I'm like, oh, Xavier Leggett's there. Oh, he didn't drop it. Like, that's a miracle. Like, we were surprised when Xavier Leggett wasn't dropping passes. And then this year, he just 
exploded out of nowhere. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I want him to do good. I I like Xavier Leggett a lot. Obviously, he was one of the only things I could cheer for at South Carolina. But I'm, yeah. no, I'm not all in on him. Yeah, I mean, the four years prior to this past season, and this past season was Nothing. pretty great, but. It was 80 yards, 113 yards, 63 yards, and 167 yards. Yep. He combined in four years to put up like 400 yards. And I will, and another guy, I, did, I only brought Brian Thomas Jr., but I think this is the interesting name to mention at running back is Marshawn Lloyd. He was also at South Carolina. Hey-o. And uh, I, I, I didn't know if you were going to talk about him, so I had a backup. But Marshawn yeah. Lloyd is up there for me. But... um. I think Marshawn Lloyd has a legitimate shot to be the RB1 in this class. I really do. He, uh, and this is where I was going to tie it back to South Carolina because our offense has been so bad. So Xavier Leggett, obviously, he struggled a lot, but he has been on some horrible offenses. Marshawn Lloyd was a five-star running back coming out of high school, comes to South Carolina, tears his ACL at the be- like a week before the season starts his freshman year. So he's missing that misses that entire year. Comes back, and he's just not quite right. His second year at 19 years old, coming off the ACL, same situation. The offense is horrible. 2021, 2022, I can't remember years. His third year, he's a he's a senior right now. Um, his third year, he has an okay season at South Carolina. He He's just solid. Never really lived with the five-star hype. He goes to Southern Cal. Obviously, he's pretty good this past year. Obviously, Caleb Williams is the star in that offense, but I think he scored a lot of touchdowns and was really consistent all year, which I'm almost willing to be in on Marshawn Lloyd because of how coming off the ACL his freshman year, playing in bad offenses, finally goes to a decent team and is good. Yeah, he was he was very good this past season. The, um, the didn't model. watch him all the time but I also like saw like he had like two touchdowns every time I'm like why is why is Marshawn Lloyd getting all the touchdowns now that he's not with South Carolina like this is ridiculous yeah the model likes him um <laughs> he's so that uh the total yards per uh or divided by downs played he's third in the class just behind Jonathan Brooks so he's efficient and explosive he also gives you a nice 1.2 yards per route run, which you'll take uh, basically four yards after contact per attempt, which is not like exceptional, but it's very, very solid. And uh, he earned a nice 1.6 targets per game. So like he's got this pretty good, uh, like above average profile across the board. He doesn't have anything that's like exceptional. He's just very, very solid all around. And the thing that... Uh, that's not in here is just like, he's got a very solid weight. Like he is the he's big fella. size. Yeah. I mean, he's like 215 pounds. What is he like? 5'10", 215, something like that. He's the size oh, he's, that you want in your ideal running back. When he was coming out of high school, like that, I mean, there's a reason this dude was a five-star prospect. Like he, he's got good speed. He's not like a burner or anything, but he wasn't that coming out of high school. Like this dude can pound the rock and he's got good vision. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the last guy I want to talk about. Athlete. He is. Last dude I want to talk about here is Bucky Irving, uh, running back from Oregon. Dude's numbers are just ridiculous. And remember how I was talking about the the film 
matching the analytics. Bucky Irving is going to test me on that because his analytics are pretty insane. And the film is good, but also in the context of that offense, it's like, okay, yes, but the offensive line at Oregon was incredible. The competition they faced was not always amazing. And there's just speedsters everywhere. That aside, Bucky Irving put up the number one total yards divided by downs played of any back in the class with seven and a half, basically. He still had a very nice 91.8 PFF rushing grade, which is second, no, third, sorry, third in the class. Um, He also had 4.3 targets per game, which is way ahead of everybody else in the class. And he had a very nice 3.98 yards after contact per attempt. So like... The elusive, explosive measurables say that Bucky Irving is a freak show, and it's very possible that he is, Um, but he grades out the highest of all the running backs in the model at the moment, and uh, we'll wait and see how draft capital affects this because it definitely will. But as of right now, Bucky Irving could could be low on a lot of people's boards, frankly, but he could also be ranked very, very highly on other people's boards. And I'm really curious to see where he gets drafted, how the NFL feels about him. Because, like, on the high end, for me, Bucky Irving feels like a Devon Achan, but bigger. He's pretty small, isn't he? He's not like huge. He's like 190 um, or something like that. He's 5'10, 195. He's Jameer okay. Gibbs sized. Okay. So, he be fast. he's not. <laughs> he needs to be fast. That's the thing. Like, if he goes and runs a low 4-4 four, four, or high 4 threes at the Combine, I'm probably going to be pretty in on Bucky Irving. Jameer Gibbs is small, but Jameer Gibbs is also a freak athlete. Yeah. And, like, the NFL is moving away from 230, 240-pound running backs. That's true. Like, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL, and he might be 200 and Excuse me, did you just compare Bucky Irving to Christian McCaffrey? No, I'm just saying that the That's NFL what the haters are going to take away. away. You, Josh Johnson just compared Dear Bucky God. Irving to Christian McCaffrey. Dear Lord. <laughs> We're just moving away from houses in our backfields. These are these are not enormous humans anymore. Uh, Jameer Derek Gibbs Henry, is Jonathan proof Taylor's in the pudding. Are, are going away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Is there anybody else you want to like cursorily mention before we wrap this thing up? Because we are at fifty-five oh minutes. Uh the mid the mid-level wide receivers are interesting. Like after Brian Thomas, I will be curious to see uh, you know Xavier Worthy, um, Keon Coleman from Florida State. There's there's some interesting names there. It's it's a deep wide receiver class. Like I think all those guys are good, but where how they shake up you know in rookie drafts will be interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would keep an eye on Javon Baker, receiver from UCF. Um, he's kind of a height, weight, speed freak sort of guy, and he was crazy efficient this past season at UCF. He missed some games due to injury, but he's a guy that pops out analytically as, hmm, maybe there's something here. So he could be one of those third-round rookie pick, or maybe you get him for free off waivers sort of guys. Um, yeah. Not to say he's Puka Nakua, but he's going to be cheap to acquire. If you are actively trying to seek out the Puka Nakua, you, you will not do it. It's yeah. not possible. You will not find him. 
I'm going to tell you right now, you won't find him. But I, you might I, find I, somebody I, who could go be a decent NFL starter. Like I'll, I'll say I'm upset that I missed out on Buganakua, and I'm upset that I missed him. But like so many people did. Like I'm not. I guess I don't. I don't hate that I missed it. Like I'm okay with the fact that I was wrong on him because being able to find that guy is so impossibly hard to do. Yeah. I mean, the reason why Pukunakua was such a revelation is because everybody missed on him. Yeah. you Don't act like you were in on him when you got him off waivers, guys. Like, let's calm down here. No. I mean, even... You saw he had 100 I, yards me, in week one, been, and we're like, all right, what we'll add? <laughs> I, I, I had been shouting his praises from the rooftops, and I added him pre, prior to week one only because I saw he had a good yards per run in college, and I had a free roster spot to fill. And yeah. I was like, hey... Uh, maybe I'll drop him on Tuesday, but, you know, I've got him now. And then after week one, I was like, oh, nope, I'm going to hang on to that one. Let's see where this goes. And it, it went places. It went places. So, yeah, not to say <laughs> I, I predicted exactly what was going to happen there, but sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. You'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, anything else before we hop out of here? No, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess we'll start... Uh, Breaking down the, actually the rookies by position kind of thing. We'll give you more data on those. Really all I got. Cool, cool. Well, uh, appreciate kind everybody listening. Introductory cursor, cursor episode to the rookies. Absolutely, yeah. We'll get into it a little bit more. We got the combine coming up here in a couple weeks as well, which I'm very excited for. Oh gosh, yeah. This is this is one of those like we're going to start introducing the rookies, and there's going to be more stuff to talk about as the season goes on because. Yeah, combine, and then obviously late April is late April is a big day for for us football fans. Yeah, it's dynasty season, and uh, and we're very excited about it. So, hope you all are as well. We'll see you guys next week when we're diving into more rookies.